Welcome to We Drink and We Know Things, a weekly podcast doused in alcohol and lit with knowledge. Clinkies! Hello! What's up, everybody? What is up? Number 36. 36. We just had to stop and restart that because you said 37. I got a little overzealous. I was excited. I was ready to be on the next one. But it's still exciting. Yeah, we're killing 36. it. 36. Holy times. crap. Yeah, man. That's nuts. And we've been consistent. Woohoo. Ish. Yeah, we've been doing all right. <laughs> we've been doing all right. We've been doing all right. Yeah. So it's middle. It's like middle of November, and it just fucking cold snapped the whole country just a minute ago. Oh, my gosh. So yesterday, it was 60 degrees. Yeah. Today, or, or last night, it was 60 yeah. during the day, and then we got a full ass, like, full inch ass. of snow. And to me, that and to us, it felt like a fucking blizzard. It was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was walking around in a t-shirt that morning. I think crazy. last episode, I was talking about how crazy our weather is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just to show again. It's nucking butts. I mean, and it was like, it's so cold that the snow is still out there. It's like 19 this morning, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's frigid. It is frigid so outside. cold. I'm not uh, ready to be like blasting the heat in the house yet. No. No, I, we've just been walking around freezing. Yeah, I know. I, had a, Jesus. I have a sweater and sweatpants on. I'm and... about to get in the tank with a lizard. It's warmer in there, man. <laughs> no, I'm probably definitely going to do a fire tonight. Yeah. That's more aesthetic. It is quite aesthetic. I just like but it's it. got that cozy vibe. Yeah. It's got that vibe to it. Because we'll probably turn it on when we're watching the Disney Plus. Yes, yes. Disney Plus officially dropped today. I mean, that's not a sponsor. Duh. Duh. <laughs> We're just fucking geeked, but man. Yeah, you hadn't you didn't just watch it all day. I binge watched I watched <laughs> I watched Captain Marvel for the first time, which I actually enjoyed. I didn't think I was gonna because I heard some shit. Yeah, I had just some of the homies it. didn't enjoy it, but I loved it actually. It was really good. Uh I watched Endgame and then I was watching Again, you we've already seen that. And then I was diving into some Star Wars. And then it was time to start working on the podcast. Yeah, I was like, unless you're doing a recap of a Marvel movie for the podcast, I suggest you start doing some research. (laughs) And this this week, uh, the (laughs) Infinity Saga in summation. Just like uh, what you said on last episode, just a spoiler podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm I've been thinking about it. It's been clunking around in my head. God, yeah, no. As if we could pull that off. Jeez. Speaking Uh, of speaking of other podcasts and stuff. We have a new segment kind of thing that we're doing every Friday called Florida Man Friday. And if you've rated reviewed. Uh, us and you like Florida Man, hit us up with that. Yeah. Give us a review of the Florida Man Friday. You'll be doing us a favor. And just give us a review in general. Yeah, we, we, need, we would like some new reviews. Yeah, man. Five stars. Five of them. Please. <laughs> Come on. Write us, write us a cute little thing. We look yeah. at it. We love it. I, we, I think that shit is so cool, man. Uh, yeah, it's so exciting whenever we get a new review. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's so cool. What are you drinking? I'm drinking vodka soda. It's actually vodka LaCroix. Orange flavor LaCroix. What? Oh. Yeah. Oh. It's just seltzer with yeah. vodka. Aren't you drinking flavored vodka too? I am drinking a so flavored vodka. So you got a flavored vodka. drink with a flavored <laughs> vodka? Yeah, because I like to party. I'm a bartender too. What am I? I said I was making. That's technically a cocktail. Sure. You know? Ooh. <laughs> I'm, having ro- I'm having rosé. <laughs> it's scrumptious. I'm not even upset about it. It's with, so good. As cold as it's getting, I'm starting ready to be moving up some, some red cider. wine or Do something. some ciders and stuff? No. Warm cider? Uh, uh, with bourbon? Yeah, okay. I could go for that. I got some moonshine laying around here somewhere, too. We can... Mm. I'd be into that. Yeah. Too yeah. late now. Womp, womp. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, What else? Oh, so this is kind of cool. Our, one of the people that we know who also listens to the podcast, who doesn't live locally, came to Kentucky and we got to kick it with him. Yeah, it's it always fucking awesome. My friend Adam has, uh-huh. I've known him for like probably over 10 years. Yeah, we're homies now. And him and his girlfriend, they live in Chicago and they came, he's shooting a movie um, somewhere near Bowling Green or something, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, then, I, think, I think so. Uh, and so he, that's not too far from us. So they came and met us and we got to hang out and it yep. was so much fun. So it shout was. out to y'all. The ending, the ending of the evening happened kind of abruptly. Dude, would you like to, to say that about yourself? Oh man, I, I fucking <laughs> yacked, dude. I yacked out of nowhere. I never yak. We got side. kicked out of a bar, <laughs> we, bar. A, a bar <laughs> in Louisville. <laughs> But they were cool. I was cool. I just yeah. Had, I just had yeah. I looked like fucking it wasn't D-Rabbit that big of a deal. Mile. I had fucking puke on my shirt. It was uh, pretty gross. 
And we appreciate that dope-ass gift you gave us. It's already hanging up on our walls. Yeah, it's so cool. Adam is an artist. Go check him out. It's Adam's Art Box. On the Insta. And he does amazing art. We already had already had one of his pi- uh, pictures of Groot, and he made us one of Jon Snow and Khaleesi. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, we'll share it on the Insta if he's cool with it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he would be. Yeah. yeah so we can't. Yeah. We had a fucking blast. Yeah, that was cool. And our friend Dimitri was there too, in case mm-hmm. he, for the mm-hmm. off chance, listened mm-hmm. to this, because mm-hmm. he doesn't ever, And if you but... want to hang out, <laughs> I'll tell you a story about aliens, and I'll throw up all over myself. So oh, just hit me buddy. up. It's quite an experience. Woof. <laughs> Woof. Glad I knew I've at least known him for long enough to get past that. He was very sweet. He led me right to the bathroom. Yeah. He was, he was very He's sweet. sweet, dude. Yeah, it was a good time. They are, They we had a blast with them. Hell yeah, man. Um, What else? Was there, I think there was, think is there anything else God. we were going to touch on? This fucking... After this, we're watching The Mandalorian, and mm. I'm fucking geeked. I can't fucking wait. Is that the Star Wars thing? God damn it. Yes, it's the Star Wars thing. Sorry. I didn't do all my research about it Jeez. like you did. Yeah, I stayed on the updates. Sure, I've we'll been watch it. for that show for ages. Yeah, we're watching it. I'm watching it if you're not watching it. <laughs> oh, cool. It's getting watched. <laughs> anyway, what else? What's good? Um, Are you asking me? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't think I got anything else. I mean, like we said, rate, rate us, review us, yeah, tell your friends, and reach out to us. Yeah. We drink and we know things. Hit us up. Podcast at Gmail, so that we can be friends. Yes, let's and be friends. Here, uh, uh, su- suggestions you want us to talk about, or I don't know. Cool. Very cool. Good plug. Yeah, sure. For our own podcast, you know, <laughs> but. If you're like randomly starting this, I'm Andrea. I'm Tom. And this is We Drink and We Know Things, the podcast. Boom. Where we talk about all things creepy, true crime, conspiracy theories, weird stuff. Yep. You know. Also, if you have another podcast, if you have a podcast and you want to do a promo swap. Hit us up. We just recorded a new promo last night. So we'd love to swap promos as well. Let's promo swap. Yes. Um, with that being said, I think I go first. I do believe you are first this evening. So. So. I am doing a doozy. Great. Oh, wait. I feel like I always say that. No, I mean, but either way. Last I feel week like it's I went good to, chill. It was chill. It was just, you know, uh, consumption and tuberculosis. And tuberculosis? Tuberculosis. <laughs> that's, the, that's how you say it in medicine. Oh, sure. In doctor. medicine. That's how the, the how medicine. That's how the learned doctors that's what they say. <laughs> okay, so mine today, tonight, this evening, mm. um, We'll have 911 calls. Okay, shit. Okay. I have to do audio on this one because I am telling you about the weepy voiced killer. Oh, okay. Have you I, heard this? I've heard about it from you, but I've never heard. Oh, really? I've never heard like. I don't think you've ever heard the 911 calls that were no, right? I just know that. Okay. Okay, bet. Okay. So between 1980 and 1982, Minneapolis residents. Where, so that's Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, residents were being terrorized by a sadistic serial killer. Mm. And he became known as the weepy voiced killer. Okay. Because after he would commit a murder, he would place an anonymous call to the police to report his crimes. Oof. And they were always in this ridiculous, high-pitched, crying, emotional, weird-ass tone and okay you you can't tell this story without listening to them so as i get to them i will be playing them so if you're somebody who doesn't like 911 calls i, I wouldn't say i would just say, go ahead and skip the episode because my whole thing is 911 calls too. <laughs> <laughs> i would not. say i would say you'll be fine because it's not like it's not like the person being like murdered or uh-huh. it's not like it's it's the person, the murderer, which sure. I don't know. I don't know. Sure. It doesn't make it as emotional. I don't know. Makes it fucking creepy, I think, probably. So I, this one, I'm not going to tell you who this person is or if they know who the person is okay. or if they catch them because. Because that's how you like to tell your stories. Yeah. And he, well, and it starts with just this person uh-huh. creating the weepy voice uh, killer persona, persona himself. Wow. Yeah. All right. So New Year's Eve 1980 is where we're at. Okay. Karen Potak, a 20-year-old University of Stevens Point student, was walking home around 1 a.m. after a night out to celebrate the holiday with her friends. 
she apparently her friends like the when the club or whatever their place they were at like closed they were like oh where is she oh i guess she just like went home uh-huh just come on be better friends be better so homies. she was walking home around 1 a.m after a night out to celebrate the holidays and as she wandered around the streets she was apparently a little intoxicated which that makes no difference to Same. what's about to happen to her and um i think she ended up maybe going down like an alleyway or taking a shortcut or something okay and she was ambushed and beaten fuck she was bludgeoned with a tire iron jesus this is why you travel in packs and look out for your homies yes at approximately 3 a.m the police received a phone call from a man who wanted to report the assault the caller's voice filled with emotion as he told police the location of the crime scene. So I'm going to play it. They're a little hard to hear. Okay. This one, I, I, I don't really have what all he says. Some of them I'll be able to read you like what they what he says or whatever. But I'm going to play you the first time I want to call. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So prepare yourself because this is fucking a lot. It's it's the whole reason I wanted to cover this is simply because. Well, yeah, I mean, that's where it gets the name. <laughs> Oh, and he just hangs up. Okay, so that's the first call. I know he's kind of like hard to hear because he's like, oh, but basically he says like, there's a girl Girl hurt hurt, here and and he doesn't really know the address, but it's over by like, you know, he knows the location and then he's just like, can you tell me what happened? And she's hurt. So ridiculous. Yeah. And the the guy's like, can you tell me who you are? And he hangs up the phone. It's almost like when... When you have to, when you call the police and act stressed out when you're not stressed out. Right. It like almost 100% right. of the time sounds like you're playing it on real uh, thick. Like the, oh my gosh, like the dude who, from the staircase when he's like, my wife, what? Yeah. Oh, my wife, yeah. what? Yeah. What? Yeah. what? 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 It's just like, yeah. okay. So that's our first listen of the Weeby Voice. So police and paramedics. See in my head for some reason, I was thinking like wispy or like high pitched uh-huh. as opposed to like crying crying i thought it was like gonna, i thought it was gonna be like this like stuff uh-huh. but no but it's like oh i can't believe what i've just done oh my god the guy oh, oh, oh. you know it turns out it was just seinfeld the whole time <laughs> <laughs> it was me <laughs> i did it so police and paramedics rush to the scene they find potek she's not dead oh good she's clinging to life which let's say it That's was news, about 1 a.m. when he did it. He called till like 3 a.m. So she's been laying there for hours. Oh, poor girl. Or she was beaten so bad, her brain was exposed through her spashed oh, open no. skull. Oh, Jesus. But she was rushed to the hospital where she amazingly ended up recovering physically. Hell yeah. But oh. she could not remember who attacked her. Yeah. Traumatic brain or what injury. Yeah. Exactly. Fuck. So no information other than just this poor woman is attacked, right? Right. There's actually a photo of her like being taken away on the stretcher. Jesus. It's just like so lucky sad. to be but lucky she, to survive. But she That's lived. amazing. That's amazing. I mean, fuck this guy already though. I'm glad you haven't given me any guy names and stuff, so I don't know if I'm supposed to empathize or not, but certainly fuck this guy. Oh, yeah, though, it's, it just turns out to be a female. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, it, with your telling, I wouldn't be surprised. So following that, there's no, you know, they have no evidence uh-huh. to look at anybody who to tie to. She can't remember anything, right? Right. On June 3rd, 1981. So a little while, a little, a little, while, first, little while later, right? Yeah, the first, that was New Year's 1980. Yeah. That, or that was I'm sorry that was New Year's Eve 1980 so so it's like okay this was June following a couple you know, the June later, of that six months of, later so year, yeah. yeah 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 a group of boys were walking through a wooded area near Interstate 35 East are we still in Minnesota yeah the whole thing takes place in okay. Minnesota and they stumble across a really gruesome scene oh no they find a body how old are these kids do we know teens sucks that sucks I to think see. I think there's 
yeah, teenage boys. That sucks to so, see. So, I mean, though. ugh, yeah. I mean, it sucks for anybody, but sure, teenage boys. Sure. They were walking through a wooded area north of Superior and Oneida Streets near, like I said, Interstate 35 East. If you live out there, sure. This is, I'm giving you the location. Yeah. So, at the same time that they're finding this body, uh-huh. there's another 911 call. I can't wait to hear it. Okay. Okay, he said, God damn, will you find me? I just stabbed somebody with an ice pick. I can't ice stop pick. myself. I will keep, I keep killing somebody. I I said nightstick, and I was like, you gotta, those things are blunt. You gotta really get in ice there. Ice pick. Oof. So police actually successfully tracked that phone call. It came from a, a, a pay phone across from a bar from a bus depot. But when they got there, he was obviously... Everybody gone. was gone. Yeah, right. it's a by a bus stop, like like a long distance bus stop. Or, yeah, it's a yeah. yeah. So the body that the boys found was identified as eighteen year old Kimberly Compton. She had been stabbed in the chest with an ice pick sixty one times. Jesus. Then strangled Poor with girl. a shoelace. Oh my! Then strangled. Yeah. Oh, my God. He wanted to see it through that time, didn't he? Jesus. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, right? Poor girl. Um, the real So the really, like, sad thing about, well, not just. Outside of her being I stabbed mean, 60 times and that choked with a shoelace? She had just gotten to this town. She was 18. Uh-huh. She just left her grandparents' house uh-huh. and literally just got to this new town, like, Three hours. She just moved there? Yes. Three hours. And the way that they actually ID'd her Uh was like when she had gotten to this bus station, she went in and got like a locker and put her stuff in and was really hungry. And so went like across the street to a restaurant to eat. Uh And when they found her, they found the locker key on her oh shit so they were able to go and track down the locker sure and they found her id in there that's how they were able to um id her and it's fucked up she was killed so quickly after leaving that restaurant that they said that her like the food in her system was still like wasn't even digested it's still like it still see chew marks in the food oh my god and it's like got her as soon as she left then yeah and they knew it, it she'd eat, been eaten at they knew she'd eaten at that restaurant because she had like, um, it was like pork and or beef and fries or something. And that was like the special at that restaurant. Oh, no. Which is no. like so fucked. Yeah. But it's cool. That, it's cool that investigators and stuff are able to figure stuff out. Like yeah, that, it's wild. Know, yeah. Which, you know, just kind of narrows down where they're sure. looking and stuff a yeah. little bit more. Two days after the discovery of um, Kimberly Compton's body, the police received another phone call from the killer. He said he hadn't meant to kill the Compton and would turn himself in, but he obviously never did. Instead, he um, called the police again days later to apologize for not surrendering. And That's so this fucking cheeky. Is the next 911 call. Hit, Hit me. Hit me. So in that one, he says, don't talk, just listen, (laughs) which he ends up saying a lot, which is so obnoxious. I'm sorry for what I did to Compton. I couldn't help it. Which he calls her by her last name. Yeah, almost. And that's something you do like when you know somebody. Well, almost, I, he you know? didn't. He didn't yeah. know her. She. That was. I mean, she had just gotten there yeah. three hours before he murdered her. Right. But I'm. I'm curious because she didn't have like her ID. Is it because maybe it was on, on the news? Her? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, he probably was following the coverage. Uh, I don't know why I had to stab her. I am so upset about it. I keep getting drunk every day, but I can't believe I did it. It's like a big dream. I can't think of being locked up 
If I get locked up, I'll kill myself. I'd rather kill myself than get locked up. I'll try not to kill anyone else. Jesus. Right? What it's a so fucking creepy. Asshole. And yeah. like just on its own, it's just so creepy. Yeah. So yet again, there is no there's no how do you know this girl just moved there three hours beforehand sure. and there's no ties there's no evidence other than this weird ass phone call that sounds a lot like this other weird ass phone call yeah you can tell i mean you can tell having listened to him like that's the same right. fucking dude okay so moving right along on the 21st of july 1982 33 year old kathleen greening from st paul was scheduled to go on a vacation I'm to, so nervous for her right to now. Mackinac Island with her best friend, Carol Kellogg. On the morning they were scheduled to leave, Kellogg had planned to drive to Kathleen's home for breakfast before they went on their vacation together. When Carol arrived at her friend's house, she knocked on the front door and there was no answer. And so she let herself in. And because the door was unlocked. As you do. She called out for her friend Kathleen but there was no reply. So she started to search room to room looking for her because, you know, they were supposed to have breakfast. What the yeah. was going on? Yeah. She got to the bathroom and noticed that the light was on with the door partially closed. Oh, gosh. So Carol pushed open the door and discovered exactly why her best friend wasn't replying when she called her name. She was dead. God damn it. Kathleen's naked body was face up in the water with her head under the tap and her knees bent toward the front of the tub and initially police just ruled her death as an accident and actually everybody who knew kathleen blamed her estranged husband and Uh, this wouldn't uh be tied back to the weepy voice killer for many many years okay but it happened plant a seed there for me right 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 uh, but yeah, so but there was never charges filed against the ex husband, the strange husband, and I guess he had an alibi. And well, because it was on. the fucking weepy voice boy, and there was no call on this one. Uh huh. Okay. He didn't want to break his promise to the police. <laughs> he, I'll try. Oh, right. I'll, I'll try, try not to kill anybody else. Fuck you, bro. Okay, moving along. So that was July twenty first, nineteen eighty two. Now we're August fifth, nineteen eighty two. So okay. Very close together. Mm-hmm. 40-year-old nurse Barbara Simons was at this place called the Hexagon Bar. Hexagon Bar. She met a man and offered him a cigarette, and he offered her a ride home. Uh, Simmons or Simons, it's S-I-M-O-N-S. Told, Simon, in it? Yeah, Simons <laughs> told the bartender she was taking off with this man, and she said something to the bartender like, I hope that he's a good man. I hope he's nice because he's giving me a ride home. He's cute, but he's giving, you know, and he's giving me a ride home. I hope that he's like a uh, good guy. This is not going to end very well. She was found the next morning by a newspaper car- car- carrier who was walking along the Mississippi River. She had been stabbed to death. Uh, and she had been thrown into the river, but it got caught up on like the bank. And that's why she was found. Woof. And this is where our next one will call comes in. First of all, I love that 911 caller because she's like, calm down. You need to calm yeah. down. <laughs> so in this one, I know it, it, get, it gets harder to hear. He says, please don't talk. Just listen. <laughs> I'm sorry I killed that girl. I stabbed her 40 times. Kimberly Compton was the first one over in St. Paul. I don't know what's the matter with me. I'm sick. I'm going to kill myself, I think. I'm just going to. If somebody dies with a red shirt on... It's me. I've killed more people. I'll never make it to heaven. So, like, think about that. He's not fucking calling. He's not. His tears are not for his victims. His tears are for himself. Yeah. I'm never going to make it to heaven. Oh, Uh, kill more people. So annoying. 
Kanye West of serial killers. <laughs> so in the that nine one one call, he said that he stabbed her forty times. Yeah, but it later comes out that he actually stabbed her like over a hundred times. Uh, he well, I mean, you can't be in a great just concentrated so headspace. Maybe brutal. I don't fucking know. Ugh. So police start their investigation, and they end up getting back to the bar where the bartender i think like knew knew his name so they have like eyes on him but before they can track him down before they can get Uh uh-huh to where they're watching him i swear to god he has another victim damn this time it was 19 year old denise williams she was a sex worker in minneapolis and on august 21st 1982 she was working her usual street when the weepy voice killer approached her for her services after discussing pricing she got into his car and he was like okay i can give you so much now and then i'll give you so much after so they go back to his apartment and they have sex which it apparently was very 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 quick <laughs> he did not last but uh-huh. it's from what is said because she actually survives. Yes. So we have her words. Yes. Um, but once he got what he paid for, I'm glad that she survived and also talked shit about his sex game. I know, right? Good she for you. is a character Good too. For like you. I've listened to some of her like interviews. Uh-huh. She's funny. Um, so he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna take you back." Right? They get back in the car, and she's like, "Wait a minute, you know, you're he's he wasn't." She was like, "He's not. He wasn't going the right direction," and uh-huh. she had been a. A sex worker since she was 13. She's 19 at this point. So she knew, like, how to get back to the red light district from, like, every which way. And she started to get, like, a really funny feeling. It was like, you know, this something is wrong. And she's like, fuck, I don't have, like, a weapon. But she notices a a bottle, a glass bottle Uh in the floorboard. And she's like, all right, well, if he tries anything, I'm going to fucking use this. Just wallop him. Right. I hope she wallops the shit out of him. So right before the attack on her he says something so ridiculous he says like no one gets a ride for free uh ass cash or grass yeah no one gets a ride for free and this is when he takes a screwdriver and begins to stab her while is he still driving no he like pulls over oh and is like no one gets a ride for free and says that stupid she just pulls out a joint like bro bro i got grass i got grass i got the grass bro he ends up stabbing her, starts stabbing her with a screwdriver, sure. which is fucking blunt, dude. Like, that's yeah. not, I mean, yeah. I mean, it gets, ugh. and she reaches for the bottle and starts wailing on him. Good. And Good. she's screaming. And he thinks they're in a pretty secluded place, but they're actually near a lot of residences. Good. Residences. Yeah. Yes. She ends up hitting him in the face and getting him pretty good in the face and like the neck and the arm. And a man who lives nearby hears her screaming and, like, comes out and was like, what the fuck? And runs over to try to help. Uh And the weepy voice killer starts going at him. And he runs back into his house to get his gun. Yep. And so when he comes back out, um, the weepy voice killer has gotten in his car and and fled. Well, With with the woman? No. She's out of the car. Okay, good. She'd gotten out. Good. While wailing on him, you know. Good. But she's been stabbed 15 times with this screwdriver. She, this dude loves fucking, fucking times. loves stabbing people. I know, right? Jesus. First with a tire. Well, I've he, never well, stabbed somebody even one ti- time. <laughs> God, I hope not. This dude has hundreds of well, stabs he did, in. He did tire iron, ice pick, now screwdriver. Jesus. But two of the victims survived. The first one? Yeah. And yes. then this one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, So they end up calling her an ambulance and she's able to give a description of her attacker and i have just such a weird image in my head of what i think this guy looks like as this is going on um he returns to his apartment and he notices that he's kind of fucked up and he needs actual medical attention uh, for himself huh so we have his another 911 call he calls an ambulance for himself <laughs> he does not he does. He doesn't. He does. All you right. weepy little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
<laughs> you little motherfucker, dude. What a little bitch. Like, he's <laughs> probably fine, too. Like, if he drove his ass home, he could have drove his ass to the hospital. Yeah, you think the girl who got stabbed with a screwdriver 15, 15 fucking times is fine? She's and not. He's fine. I mean, I mean, isn't. First of yeah. all, she's a fucking badass. Yeah. Hell yeah. For fighting back. Fuck yeah. Do that shit. So she has gone to the police and described what has happened uh-huh and her kill her her attempted and this dude's getting a dude, du- right? this motherfucker's getting an ambulance and he's calling uh-huh. well the 911 operator noticed that the voice sounded a lot like the same weepy fucking voice sure bitch ass killer who had been calling 911 sure. all these other times and Do you think that was something that they were like supposed to be paying attention for like i think it was like everybody was on their toes because yeah. it was like a serial killer sure yeah and it's like he's calling 911 it's all in the same area mm-hmm. so i'm sure all the 911 operators knew what yeah. you know that's yeah, yeah 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 and then they also find out that the man with the injuries to his face is being sought in connection with this other crime because she's just reported it right uh-huh so police were dispatched to his apartment because she knew where the fuck he lived because that's where she went to have sex with him. Really quick sex because you got a little peen. Yeah, she was literally, she had to put that in there, you know. I'm good for her. It was really quick and it was like, and she actually was like, in like one of the interviews, she was like, I was like, shit, he's going to want to like do more because he finished so quick. (laughs) And he was like, no, no, I'm good. It's fine. A little weepy (laughs) ass. I know, right? So, uh, the police were dispatched to his apartment where he, um, was then later apprehended and charged with this second degree assault and you know against i guess against denise williams yeah so it gets gets a little kind of like confusing or weird or whatever but so he's charged with this second degree assault and thanks to witness descriptions he who is now known as what's his motherfucking name Paul Michael Stefani. You a little bitch. To the murder of Barbara Simons. Okay. Okay. Or Simmons. I don't know if it's Simons or Simmons. I apologize. So Paul Michael Stefani. He was raised in Austin, Minnesota, and was one of 10 children by a highly religious family. Mm -hmm. He was married at one point to a woman named Beverly and had a daughter with her. Jeez. Yeah, he apparently abandoned them though, and so to go they weren't in the picture. Because he's yeah, fuck. He at one point was convicted of aggravated assault before all of this, and had a history of mental illness. Um, uh huh, that'll do it. And because he had been convicted of assault, he had been in the police you data know, bank database. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the reason that they were be able they were able to tie him back to the murder of Barbara was because. They had the witness of the bartender. So the police went back to the bar, assuming that they were connected because of all these fucking phone calls and sure, shit. Sure, And pull out their like huge ass Rolodex because this was in the 80s. So they didn't mm-hmm. have like a digital shit. And they were like, she was able to ID him and say that was uh, the one, the, the guy who left with her. Okay, good. So, I was I was thinking that was going to come back. I'm like, he's yeah. just at the bar. like Yeah. And they knew who he was. So, yeah. So he obviously was arrested and had a trial for these at least these two. Uh-huh. And during his trial, his Stefani's ex-wife, sister, and former roommate all testified that the 911 calls uh, made by the weepy voice killer sounded like him. They were, like, undeniable. Yeah. Oh, also, something I forgot to mention. After, like, the first couple 911 calls, the, the they actually put it out in the media, and they had hundreds of people come forward and say... I think it's my husband. I think it's my brother. I think it's my boyfriend. I think it's my uncle. I think it's Jesus. And they tracked every single one of them down. None of them being him, the actual guy, and obviously none of them actually getting anywhere. Hundreds but that many people. Hundreds of people. Hundreds. Who has that many people? Like <laughs> that whiny ass. Sounds like boy. my whiny ass fucking husband. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Sounds like my bitch ass husband. So 
But it was not enough evidence, believe it or not, to tie him to uh-huh. the other uh, murders that he had been suspected. That they would that they suspected were also him. She 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 us. They said that the hysterical crying was claimed to distort the voice too much for a completely positive ID. I could see that. Um. So being a bitch in this case was on his side. Yeah, exactly. So, at the end of all of that, the trial, Safani was convicted of the Simon Simmons murder and of the attempted murder. Of Williams, they they upped it from just like aggravated assault to attempted murder, and he was sentenced to forty years. Uh huh. Forty years. That's it. That's it. Like what the fuck? Like that's that's it. No, like, no, oh, no. I mean, I got. I've, there's uh, no. We're not done yet. But I'm just saying, forty years. That's so obnoxious. Yeah. What the fuck. So in 1997, Stefani was diagnosed with skin cancer and had less than a year to live. So he decided to confess to the murders of Kim Compton, Barbara Simmons, and Kathy Greening. He had not even been a suspect in Kathy Greening's death. Yeah. As he had not even made a phone call to the police for that one. or So there wasn't, there was nothing leading to him with sure. that. In all, he confessed to, one, a beating attack in 1980, two, stabbing Kimberly Compton to death in 1981, drowning Kathleen Greening in 1982, and stabbing Barbara Simmons in uh, her death in 1982, and stabbing Denise Williams in 1982 as well. So in his confession of the murder of Kim Compton, because after he apparently thought, Oh, God, I'm going to die. He said, quote, I'd rather go to the grave knowing this is all taken care of and off of my chest. To this day, I can't believe it. I wake up in the morning thinking and hoping I'm dreaming all this. But then I say, no, Paul, you're still in jail. (laughs) I don't know what to do except say I wish I could turn back the clock. What a piece of shit. Yeah. He also said he had just stepped. He he said that um, with... Kim Compton, she had just stepped off a bus in St. Paul and walked into Mickey's diner where he was having coffee. And he said, quote, we started talking and I told her I'd show her around town. I thought I'd drive by the river and maybe we'd see the Delta Queen or have a picnic. But in 15 minutes, she was dead. It goes from having a picnic to killing somebody violently, like, pretty quick. And then he finally confessed of the actual murders of Barbara and Kathy, because while he was found guilty for that stuff, um, he never actually had confessed. Sure. You know, he always, he, he denied it all and, and kept his innocence the whole time. He was able to provide details about Kathy Greening's like home and stuff uh-huh. that like sh- obviously showed that he was the one who did it because there was another guy who actually claimed that he did it. Oh, who does it was that? a guy who had murdered his sibling and mother and father and during their standoff claimed that he killed that person but they knew that it was actually paul stefani because he knew the layout of the house and knew Uh exactly all the details and they also found the name paul s in uh kathy greeting's address book which contained his phone number so it really solidified that it was him and not this other guy yeah but yeah the year after he did all of this all of his confessing, he died at the Oak Parts Oak Parks Heights Maximum Security Prison. I think he was fifty three. What a piece of shit! And that is the ridiculous, fucking awful story of the weepy voice killer. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but my main my main takeaway from this one is this guy's such a bitch. Such a bitch. Such a little bitch. So because I hate him so much. Yeah. And I hate that he's got this all this notoriety and shit yeah. for this weepy voice killer. Uh-huh. I just want to end on the names of the victims. Absolutely. Because fuck this dude. Hey, fuck this dude. So we had Karen Potak, who he was the one he bludgeoned but survived badass kimberly kim compton who's 18 who he murdered rest in peace 
Kathleen Kathleen Greening, who was 33, who he murdered. Jesus. Barbara Simmons. I think it is Simmons. I think maybe it was spelled different on other things. Barbara Simmons, who was aged 40, who he murdered. And Denise Williams, who he attempted to murder with a fucking screwdriver. And she's a fucking badass. Jesus. So, yeah, that's the story of the weepy-voiced killer. Great. <laughs> Terrible story. Great job. You're welcome, and I'm sorry. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> well, now you know that. Doesn't he suck? He fucking sucks, little bitch. Dude. I know I did that one a little differently than I normally do, but it's just you have to kind of it was so all over the place, you know, not knowing mm-hmm. who it was at mm-hmm. first and his stupid mm-hmm. 911 calls. All, I don't know. That's literally always how you do it. You all right. You're right. Reveal you're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. Wow. Okay. Well, now for something completely different. Great. I hope so. <laughs> all right. I'm ready for yours. So this evening, we're taking it back a little ways. Mm. We're going to the year 1900. Whoa. Uh, a lot of ways. A lot of ways lot of ways uh, because we're going to talk about one of the deadliest natural disasters in United States history. Oh, fuck. The Great Galveston Hurricane, known regionally as the Great Storm of 1900s, was the deadliest natural disaster in United States history, one of the deadliest hurricanes to affect Canada, and the fourth deadliest Atlantic hurricane overall. Whoa. The hurricane left between 6,000 and 12,000 fatalities in the United States. Holy shit. The number most cited in official reports is around 8,000. So there's like, but they were disenfranchised and homeless. How do you? And, uh, it's a lot. So they, they, there could be 4,000 more. A lot of motherfuckers just washed away. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Most of the deaths occurred in and near Galveston, Texas, which is where the focus of this is going to be. And yeah, it's fucking fucked up. Uh, so the storm surge inundated the coastline with 8 to 12 foot of water. So it's like right on the coast, 8 to 12 foot Jeez. inland, you know. In addition to the number That's killed. way over my head. You, way over. <laughs> you could be on my shoulders, it would be over your head. In addition to the number of people killed, the storm destroyed about 7,000 buildings of all uses in Galveston, which included 3,636 destroyed homes. Every God. single dwelling in the city suffered some degree of damage. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. The hurricane left approximately 10,000 people in the city homeless. Woof. And out of a total population of nearly 38,000, the disaster ended the golden era of Galveston. So at the time, it was either the largest city in Texas or on its way to being the largest city in okay. Texas. So as the hurricane alarmed potential investors, everybody kind of moved to Houston instead and uh, just a little broad stroke, in response to the storm, three engineers designed and oversaw plans to raise the Gulf of Mexico shoreline of Galveston Island by 17 feet and erect a 10-mile seawall. So they like, protected, they built a Trump wall Ooh. on the coastline. Yeah. Yeah. Wowzers. Pretty, pre- and there was also another storm that happened in Galveston, like, a few years later that devastated it again. Oh. But we're not going to talk about that tonight. Okay. Woof. So I'll tell you a little bit about the storm itself, and then we'll get back to Galveston. On August 27th, 1900, a ship east of the Windward Islands detected a tropical cyclone, the first observed during the annual season. Initially at tropical storm status, it remained mostly stagnant in intensity while moving steadily west-northwestward. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. <laughs> ne- West-northwestward? West Yep. Cool, 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 cool. West-northwestward. And entered the northeastern Caribbean Sea on August 30th. The storm made landfall in the Dominican Republic as a weak tropical storm on September the 2nd. It weakened slightly while crossing Hispaniola before re-emerging into the Caribbean Sea later that day. Caribbean. Caribbean Sea. <laughs> Andada Sea. On September the 3rd, the cyclone struck modern-day Santiago de Cuba province and then slowly drifted along the southern coast of Cuba. Wait, so is this all the same storm? The same storm pattern, yeah. So I guess it's just going to increase. It's going to just... It, and when yeah. it gets to Galveston, it's going to yeah, be... Yeah, it's like, like 10 yeah. days of momentum with Wowzers. this storm. Okay. Upon reaching the Gulf of Mexico on September the 6th, the storm strengthened into a hurricane. Significant intensification followed, and the system peaked as a Category 
four hurricane with maximum sustained winds of 145 miles per hour on September the 8th. And that's when it hit Galveston. Wow. Yeah. Early on the next day, it made landfall in... Landfall. <laughs> Early on the next day, it made landfall to the south of Houston. The cyclone weakened quickly after moving inland and fell to tropical storm intensity late on September 9th. The storm turned east northeastward and became extra tropical <laughs> over Iowa on September 11th. Um, and then it kind of just fizzles out after that, but it goes all the way through. I mean, it even hits Canada. You know what I mean? Like, Shit, it, yeah, yeah. It was a big, it was a big, but mainly storm. just mainly fucked Galveston. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. They got the like brunt of it. Yeah. Jesus. So, I mean, it, it, it was all, it, it fucked the entire United States up. Uh, the, you know, it, it, we, the ramifications in Ohio, Wisconsin, Illinois, Massachusetts, Missouri, all people dying from this this storm. Yeah. 15 in Ohio, 6 in Wisconsin, 2 in Illinois, 2 in New York, two, 1 in Massachusetts. People dying in the other... From, from this, From the, the, the intensity of this storm. Sheesh. Be, be it damage or, uh, you know, elements or whatever. Right, 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 right. Damage from the storm throughout the United States exceeded $34 million. Oh, my God. That's in the year 1900. Right. All right. That is so much. The remnants of the storm also brought severe impact to Canada. In Ontario, damage reached about $1.35 million, with $1 million being in crops. So that's where a lot of the financial and Shit. stuff comes from Canada. Yeah. yeah. That's like fucking billions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Today. The, the remnants of the hurricane caused at least 52 deaths. That's after it's that's after it's lost its hurricane status. God. And possibly as many as 232 deaths in Canada, mostly due to sunken vessels near Newfoundland and the French territory of St. Pierre. Throughout the path, the storm caused more than 35.4 million in damage. Oh my God! Well, and it's not like they had alert services and weather like we do now well there like, was at the time and i might be tripping this might have been the other one but um cuba had like a meteorological um observatory mm -hmm. but there was no communication between yeah. america and cuba oh but i just mean like there's time. no like iphones going off sure. and like you're you sure. turn on the news on your they yeah, didn't have their dude, tvs no. they didn't have nope. any of that shit nope. to warn them so yeah anywhere from six thousand to eight thousand are the people that died during the storm all pretty much all of that being from Galveston. There were hundreds else, but that big number comes wow. from Galveston. Wow. Holy shit. How many what was the population of Galveston? 37,000. Whoa. Yeah. Holy shit, right? Galveston's big. It, yeah, back in the day it was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. For some context, 1836 people died in Katrina. In Whoa. That is that was a huge Oh my huge god. Huge hurricane, yeah. So the winds up to, you know, uh, so 3,600 number is the number of buildings that were destroyed. Mm -hmm. uh, between 130 to 140 mile per hour winds um, during the storm. Just some numbers. God, and stuff. yeah. And so the modern cost of what Galveston would have been was $138.6 billion. In today? In today's currency. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's like the third calculator that I saw. Some of the other ones were less. Some were well, more. Well, it had to have been. Billions. Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of millions. Of millions billion. I mean, yeah. God. That's For instance, insane. Katrina cost $116.9 billion. Wow. Yeah. So the city of Galveston was effectively obliterated. Yeah. With the city in ruins and the railroads mostly destroyed. Survivors had little to live on until relief arrived. On September 9th, Galveston city officials established the Central Relief Committee for Galveston Storm Survivors. Or easier, the CRC. The CRC. Chaired by Mayor Walter C. Jones, the CRC was composed of subcommittees for specific aspects of relief efforts, including the burial of the deceased, correspondence, distribution of food and water, finances, hospitalizations, rehabilitation, and public safety. This is kind of fucked up. The dead bodies were so numerous that burying all of them was impossible. I was worried, I was worried yeah. about that. Initially, bodies were collected by dead gangs 
uh, and then given to 50 African-American men who were forcibly recruited at gunpoint to load them onto a barge. What the fuck? About 700 bodies were taken out to the sea to be dumped. What? Dumped what? in a mass just sea I was going to say, what, wouldn't bodies be like washing up too, though? However, after golf currents washed many of the oh, bodies back onto the no. beach, funeral pyres were set up on the beaches where several dead bodies were found and burned day and night. It's like fucking apocalypse, dude. For several weeks. They were burning bodies on the beach day and night for weeks. Ew, the smell. Yeah, yeah, it's fucked up. Ew. The authorities passed out free whiskey to sustain the distraught men conscripted for the gruesome <laughs> work of collecting and burying the dead. Wow. Yeah. So we don't want to pay for the funerals, so here's some whiskey. Here's some fucking whiskey. Woof. You're never going to be the same again. I mean, it's Yuck. thousands of bodies. And burning them. Yeah, That's thousands, not a good smell. Thousands of bodies. I've like cut leather with the wood like with our laser uh-huh. at our work and that smell is bad enough and that's just burning like that's not even one body. leather yeah i mean yeah kidney yeah. oh it's it was even. apocalyptic like, yeah it the sounds pictures, like freaking walking even, dead you can't even imagine there was a city in place oh you God. know what i mean yeah survivors no. set up temporary shelters and surplus united states army tents along the shore they were so numerous that observers began referring to Galveston as the white city on the beach. Oh, my gosh. In the first two weeks following the storm, approximately 17,000 people were residing in these tents, uh, <gasps> as well as vacant storerooms or public buildings. Yeah. Crazy. In Texas. I wonder what the weather was like. It was probably hot as fuck. Well, I don't uh, know. It was in September. Oh, September. So it might have been tapering off. Yeah, It yeah. just depends. It was coastal, too. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, others constructed so-called store lumber homes, storm lumber homes, using salvageable material from debris to build shelter. The building committee, with a budget of $450,000, opened applications for money to rebuild and repair homes. Accepted applicants were given enough money to build a cottage with three 12-foot by 12-foot rooms. Mm. By March 1901, so not even, not even a year later. Yeah. 1,073 cottages were built, and 1,100 homes had been repaired. Wow. So, like, right out of the gate, they got yeah. back after Hell it. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. That's crazy. And just a few little infrastructure things. Winif Winifred Bonfils was a young journalist working for William Randolph Hearst. That guy was really famous for, like, yellow journalism. Uh-huh. She was working for him and was there. She was the first reporter on the line at the Hurricanes Ground Zero. Oh, wow. She delivered an exclusive set of reports and Hearst sent relief supplies by train. So on September 12th, that's four days after this happened, Galveston received its first post-storm mail. Um, the next day, basic water service was restored. So that's wow. September 13th. Wow. In 19... 1900. 1900. Yeah. And that's the only time that works. <laughs> it works on my time. end. <laughs> it works every time uh -huh. here in the year of our Lord, 2020. Oh, good God. Basic water was service was it's restored and West. Oh shit. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and Western union beginning began providing minimal telegraph service within three weeks of the storm. Wow. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Quick fix. Turn Quick around. fix, bud. So a bunch of um, cities, businesses, and organizations and individuals made a bunch of donations towards rebuilding Galveston. By September 15th, less than one week after the storm struck Galveston, contributions totaled about $1.5 million. Holy shit. Which back then, I mean, was a fucking bucket. Yeah. Fucking bucket. Oh my God, yeah. More than 134,000 donations poured in from New York City alone. Five other major cities, St. Louis, Chicago, Boston... Pittsburgh and Philadelphia also donated at least 15,000. So yeah, the largest donation was 228,000 from New York by the 15th. Gosh. Yeah, crazy. By state. So New York City had been a chunk, but the state of New York had donated the most. Wow. Yeah. You got friggin' 67,000 from the state of Texas, which is where they were living. 56k from Illinois, 53 from Massachusetts, and it just goes on. Uh, the largest, one of the largest personal donations was from Andrew Carnegie, who donated ten thousand. 
while an additional 10000 was donated by his steel company. Cool. Yeah. It's nice to see, like, you know, other cities and stuff. Yeah. People, like, banding together. It was and... crazy how people rallied because, yeah. I mean, a couple of days later, you get the water turned back on. Like, that's out of control. Yeah. Based on how long it took and when well, things happened in the modern Well, they had a plethora of it. Mm. Oof. Salt water, bro. Sorry. <laughs> For those wounds. Jesus. Sorry. So the following is was said by Clara Barton, who was the founder of the American Red Cross. She said this after viewing the destruction in Galveston. It was one of those monstrosities of nature which defied exaggeration and fiendishly laughed at all the tame attempts of words to picture the scene it had prepared. The churches, the great business houses, the elegant residences of cultured and opulent, the modest little homes of laborers of a city nearly 40,000 people. The center of foreign shipping and railroad traffic lay in splinters and debris piled 20 feet above the surface and the crushed bodies, dead and dying, of nearly 10,000s of its city lay under them. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So they actually, the Red Cross kind of came in and it would be Clara Barton's last act as the founder of the American Red Cross because she retired after this disaster. Uh-huh. So she was 78 when they came. Wow. And they observed the catastrophe. They set up a temporary headquarters at an abandoned warehouse in their commercial district. Um, the, her presence in Galveston contributed uh, in a bunch of donations. So they got 1,500 pillowcases, 13 casks of bedding. I guess beds used to come in casks. I don't know. <laughs> Clothing, right. crockery, disinfectant, groceries. Um, while $17,000 was donated to the Red Cross. Wow. Is yeah. it she was a founder? She was the founder, yeah. That's and dope. her presence what a there, like, brought, brought so much yeah. so much exposure. Uh, so much. So uh, combined contributions is like $120,000 worth wow. from the Red Cross. So we're talking so much. Yeah. So much money. And yet, before the hurricane of 1900, Galveston was considered to be a beautiful and prestigious city and was known as the Ellis Island of the West. The Wall Street of the Southwest. But yet, the storm essentially just killed Galveston. Yeah. Stopped it from being this growing metropolis that it was going to be, and everybody kind of moved to Houston. And that's that's a kind of the event, like that's what happened. And then I have a first-hand account. Okay. From a guy, if I could. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this this was in the collected works of firsthand experiences that uh, was compiled way back in the day. Uh huh. This is cool. this is written by a guy named John D. Blagden to everyone at his home. He was not from there. He was on. He was he was working there from. He's originally from Tennessee, and he comes to Galveston for work. Okay. Okay. This is dated September the tenth, nineteen hundred. So two days after the the storm. Wow. Okay. To all at home, very probably you little expect to get a letter from me, but here I am alive and without a scratch. Wow. That is what a few can say in this storm-swept city. I have been here two weeks to take the place of a man who is on a three-month leave, after which I will go back to Memphis. So Memphis, Tennessee. Sorry, not Nashville, Uh Memphis. Of course, you have heard of the storm that passed over this place last Friday night, but you cannot realize what it really was. I have seen many severe storms, but never one like this. I remained in the office all night. It was in a building that stood the storm better than any other in town, though it was badly damaged and rocked frightfully in some of the blasts. In the quarter of the city where I lodged, which is the south part, everything was swept and nearly all drowned. The family with whom I roomed were all lost. Oh my god. I lost everything I brought with me from Memphis and a little money, but I think $80 will cover my entire loss. I am among the fortunate ones. Wow. The local forecast official, Dr. Klein, lives in the same part of the city and his brother boarded with him. They did not fare so well. Their house went with the rest and were out in the wreckage nearly all night. The LOF, which is Dr. Klein, the local forecast official, lost his wife, but after being nearly drowned themselves, they saved the three children. As soon as possible the next morning after the waters went down, I went out to the south end to see how they fared out there. I had to go through the wreckage of buildings nearly the entire distance, which was a mile. Woof. 
And when I got there, I found everything swept clean. Part of it was still underwater. Oh, my gosh. I could not even find the place where I had been staying. One that did not know would hardly believe that there had been part of a city here 24 hours before. Wow. I could not help seeing many bodies, though I was not desirous of seeing them. I at once gave up the family with whom I stayed with as lost, which has proved true as their bodies have all been found. Oh, gosh. Yeah, man. But the Kleins and I had more confidence in regard to their ability to come out of it. I soon got sick of the sights out there and returned to the office to put things in order the best I could. When I got to the office, I found a note from the younger Klein telling me of the safety of all except the doctor's wife. They were all badly bruised from falling and drifting timber, and one of the children was very badly hurt, and they have some fears as to her recovery. Oof. Mr. Bronskazel, our printer lives in another part of the town that suffered as badly, is still missing, and we have given him up as lost. Aww. This is two days later. That's sad. Two days later. Yeah. There is not a building in town that is uninjured. Hundreds are busy day and night cleaning away the debris and recovering the dead. It is awful. Every few minutes, a wagon load of corpses passes oh by on the street. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. The more fortunate are doing all they can to aid the sufferers, but it is impossible to care for all. There is not room in the building standing to shelter them all, and hundreds pass the night on the street. One meets people in all degrees of destitution. People but partially clothed are the rule, and one fully clothed is an exception. The city is under military rule, and the streets are patrolled by armed guards. Oh, wow. To keep people from, like, looting and stealing shit? That's crazy. Yeah. They are expected to shoot at once anyone found pilfering. Gosh. I understand four men have been shot today for robbing the dead. Oh, my gosh. I do not know how true it is, for all kind of rumors are afloat, and many of them are afloat. false. Afloat? Bad joke. Bad, bad joke. Bad for you to make light of it. I don't think you did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> we have neither light, fuel, or water. I have gone back to candles. I am now writing by candlelight. Wow. A famine is feared, as nearly all of the provisions were ruined by the water, which stood from 6 to 15 feet in the streets and all communication to the outside is cut off. For myself, I have no fear. I sleep in the office. I have food to last for some time and have water and means of getting more when it rains as it frequently does here. And besides, I have made friends here who will not let me starve. Wow. We had warning of the storm, and many saved themselves by seeking safety before the storm arrived here. We were busy all day Thursday answering telephone calls about it and advising people to prepare for danger. But the storm was more severe than we expected. Telephone calls? Yeah. So I guess that... So they did have some warning, huh? Prior, but it wasn't... Not like... I saw a lot that it was like, damn, we should have known better. Damn, And it led to a lot of... It led to a lot of developing emergency protocols for stuff like this because it was catastrophic. I bet, Yeah. yeah. Dr. Klein placed confidence in the strength of his house... Many went to his house for safety as it was the strongest built in any part of the town. But of the 40-odd who took refuge there, less than 20 are now living. Oh my gosh. I have been very busy since the storm and had had little sleep, but I intend to make up for sleep tonight. I do not know how or where I can send this, but will send it the first chance. Do not worry on my account. Write soon. Yours truly, John D. Blackton. I can't even fathom how long it took for them to get that too. Yeah. Like to get that out. I know you yeah. said that they picked up the mail again, like quickly, yeah. but like. But, dude, the logistics, can you imagine? Oh my gosh. That's yeah. crazy. That is the great Galveston hurricane. That's wild. I've never, I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, I didn't until earlier. And I was, I was looking into like some other disaster type stuff. And I saw that. And I read that dude's letter. And I was like, that was metal as fuck. Yeah. Like, that was so fucked up. And so many people died. Right. So every building fucked up in a whole city oh my gosh it's crazy absolutely nuts yeah i mean and you had to like write letters to let people know you were okay and yeah i mean i think it's i just think it's so remarkable how fast they were able to start putting the infrastructure that is that's wild i wouldn't have even expect something today to be fixed that quickly yeah comparatively you know that it takes it would take hundreds of uh, over a hundred billion dollars to repair the damage now yeah Based on how small that space right. was, too, you know, right, I mean, right. I mean, you look at how many people live, you know, in, well, in other with larger the comparison areas. to Katrina's. Sure. Yeah, 
Wild, in New Orleans. Yeah. New Orleans versus Galveston. Right. There's thousands of more citizens. Yeah. Know, hundreds of thousands, probably. You know, it's crazy. That's why that was wild. I didn't yeah. know anything about that. Uh, you know, I'm just trying out some other stuff. A little disaster. Yeah. A little disaster cast. I'm always I'm always in for a disaster. Yeah. Because it's like and a lot of times I mean that that was a natural disaster, but there are so many disasters that are Man true made, crime yeah. that are crime yeah. you know negligence and of, shit. Yeah, for sure. That I'm always interested in and they were saying there was a point during the night when that storm was going that people were on the streets and they could see or not on the streets, but they were observing the best they could and you could see this the water for as far as you could see rise four inches in four <gasps> seconds oh my Whoop. god just yeah it was that is terrifying apocalyptic yeah. yeah they got smacked that is so wild if anybody lives there had any ancestors that were alive yeah, for that hit us up yeah wow good job thank you so much definitely a change from the weepy voice yep killer yep Totally different. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's raining. Oh my god. <laughs> listen to me. Don't talk. We're going to drown. <sighs> don't talk. Just listen. Fuck that guy. Jesus. Oh. Hey, we'll see you guys on this Friday for Florida Man Friday. wraps it up for another episode. It does. We'll see you guys real soon with Florida Man Friday. Yeah. Reach out. Give us a five-star review. Be our friends. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>